Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Mind Poppers podcast with your host, Adam O'Reilly, reporting live from the Mind Poppers basement. Now, I know the question on your mind, Adam, where the fuck have you been? Where have you been, bitch? Last week, obviously, there was no episode. If you're following me on Instagram, Adam O'Reilly, oh, I put up um, on my story that we were we were encountering some technical difficulties, as you do in this business. In full transparency, what had gone down was... An opportunity had presented itself to bring Mind Poppers to potentially a bigger audience. So in that move over to this new platform and going away from the old platform, things got muddled. You know, I really had to get technical, I had to get into the machine. And in the process of that, I ended up actually deleting Mind Poppers. I was panicking for a week. I thought Mind Poppers was dead. Now, it wouldn't have been the last of me. You know that. I would have brought it back. I would have brought back Mind Poppers Part 2. You know, I wouldn't let this die. It's not about that. But I thought we were dead in the water. But people got involved or what have you. And it seemed like we could potentially be okay now. Um, Because I'm the kind of person who is like... You know, I did it and and I messed something up. I knew I messed something up. But instead of going and asking for help then, I was like, no, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And I'm the kind of person that will fix something and keep fixing something until it is broken beyond compare, until it is completely unusable. And that's what I thought I had done with Mind Poppers. That's what I thought I'd done with the podcast. I thought that I had killed it. But if if you are listening to this episode by the end of the night, then things worked out for the best and we made it. If you don't ever hear this, then we did not make it. Um, now, when, when I preface this episode by saying, if you hear voices in the background, that is my mother and all their, all my aunts, all her sisters, who went for a meal a while ago and in shock and in horror, as they conveyed to me, the the whatever, the, the restaurant kicked them out after their allotted time, for whatever reason, they thought they were going to be there all night. Um... So now they've came back here with drink and my mother is also celebrating because she's after developing as what she calls the new room, the new room in the house. So basically we have a spare room in the house and she literally cleared out some of the boxes and bought a lamp and put in a sunflower. And now it's the new room, which she's been taking pictures of for the last couple of days and sending them to all her friends and all her siblings. Now she has her sisters up and she's giving them a guided tour of the new room. She's even done up the small bathroom, which is attached to the new room. And she, she called me in. Well, it was actually, what, what she does, right, is the last for the last couple of days since she's done up the bathroom, um, she will open the door and turn on the light and look at it. And then we'll close the door again. And she keeps doing that. She keeps revisiting the same bathroom. And she's not even using the bathroom. No one's using the bathroom, by the by. But, but she insists on, she goes and looks at it. She loves looking at the fact that she's done it up, that she's put down a carpet in it. Um, so I've been having to watch that for the last couple of days of just this this mad woman going and opening the door to the bathroom, turning the light on and kind of been doing this sigh of like, <sighs> you know, not quite orgasm, but something, you know, 
parallel to an orgasm and then turns off the light and leaves. I, I mightn't come back for another hour or two hours and we'll come back and, you know, see her work again. But, you know, I, I remember I was always the same when I was younger. And you know when you clean your room when you were younger and not just like clean it, but you clean it. You get in there, you scrub, you get the dust up. Like, it, you know, a proper clean, like when you go under the bed. That type of cleaning. And I actually remember I used to do the exact same. You know, I'd like clean my room spotless and I'd be going around, you know, doing my just like whatever around the house. And then like every now and again, I just like run up the stairs to my bedroom and open the door just to look at the room, just to look how clean the room was and then close it again. And then you just like, you kind of like look at it and you're like, damn, I did that. Uh, Like you, like you were flipping houses, you know, you're like, I did that, didn't I? Um, And that's the same with my mother now with this new, with the new room and the new bathroom um she brought me in to give me a tour of the new room I was the first person who got a tour of the new room um in our house the other day um and look it looks great what have you she also wanted to show me the new bathroom I went in to look at the new bathroom and there was a plant on the floor kind of a funky looking plant kind of like a a dark red like a crimson color she was like well what do you think and I was like oh I was like I actually like the plant you know it's a it's a funky color and she was like "Uh uh-huh that's mama I was like what she was like "Mm -hmm." she's like she is obsessed to the point of like she's walking around the house now like she's Dermot Bannon and and I had to bring her back down because I'm I'm the kind of person who doesn't want to put anyone down but I also want to just let people see the reality of the situation you know because she was getting a little too big for her boots the door had swung and opened so many times it was about to fall off the hinges but her you know admiring her work and what have you and it was the whole that's mama thing that did it for me I was like what exactly is mama you put down you know a rug from TK Maxx and this plant and I was like and I, I must say I do like the plant and she was like yeah it's fake I was like ugh I was like that is mama huh that is mama I was like you seriously have been parading yourself around this house like Dermot Bannon for the last 10 fucking days because you put a rug and a fake plant in our fucking bathroom I was like you need to get it together and fast so please keep in mind if you do happen to hear my mother and her coven in the background yeah, at least you have the backstory to whatever noise they're going to push upon us today. Now, before we get into the body of the Mind Poppers episode that I have, what I want to do is give you the update and I guess potentially the final update on the stalker situation. Because in the absence of Mind Poppers, a lot of people were DMing me on Instagram asking me like, where was the episode? What was happening? Um, had we been abandoned? which I never would, but more importantly, people wanted to know what was going on with the stalker. Now, I will give you a brief recap, okay? I've been talking about this over the over the last few episodes. The stalker, it was the fake account that was messaging me, you know, with the same picture that they'd send in chat, the same account it happened over 10 times, you know, and it was back and forth, conversation, great conversation, great conversation, bam the messages would all disappear, okay? Now you remember, this, these fake accounts were giving me the, the socials, the social media, so the Snapchat of the, I guess, in quotations, the real person. So I had asked this real person, remember, if you remember, I sent them a message on Snapchat, I was like, you need to stop harassing me, you need to stop it. Um, to which they replied, oh my God, me, I would never harass you, you know, I would never do that. Um, someone's using my pictures is what they said or whatever. I remember I said that was fishy because first of all, if you find out that someone is 
harassing people using your photos, you're going to want the receipts. You're going to want the screenshots. You're going to want the full story so that you can, first of all, clear your name, but, you know, have this information and examine the language so that you could, you know, narrow down who is, you know, trying to impersonate you. Have you? Of course, that's what we'd all do. This person was like, I would never do that. And that was it. So I had received another message, the 11th and final message from the fake account last weekend. It was the same old shit, the same old shit, you know, normal conversation, blank profile. And eventually, you know, the blank profile would send a photo of themselves. And alas, it was the stalker. It was the stalker. So I knew I'd been talking to, I knew who I was talking to, the talking to the stalker. I had re- reached the end of my tether and I wanted to get the uh, get to the end of this mystery. So I started replying to the stalker under the, the fake guise, if you will, that I was also talking to him on Snapchat. So I wanted to make the stalker, you know, feel like I was buying into everything that he was saying. And, you know, so basically he would say something and I was like, oh, yeah, remember we, we talked about this on Snapchat a couple of hours ago or a couple of days ago. You know, I was adding in these false narratives just to see how they respond under pressure. So this happened back and forth for a while. You know, in the beginning, they kind of brushed it off. I was like, remember, I told you this on Snapchat a couple of days ago. Um, And they were like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I must have forgot or remind me kind of a thing. What have you? I knew that the, the stalker wasn't liking this kind of interaction. So within about, I guess, 30 minutes, the 11th account deleted itself. All the messages disappeared. Okay. The interesting thing, because and I, and I thought that was going to happen. But the interesting thing was, once the 11th and final fake account disappeared, within the hour, I guess, and I guess I use in quotations, the real person appeared on on the dating app, okay? So appeared on the dating app, except this time, you know, it wasn't the fake account, in quotations, because, you know, straight away, it wasn't a blank profile. It was a picture of the guy, of the stalker, you know, had a normal bio, all that. So I had, you know, written a message, hey, how are you, or whatever, and we started talking back and forth, then this was the the real person. So I, I wrote to this person on Snapchat, and I was like, okay, I was like, is, is that you who I'm talking to on the dating app? And they replied, yeah, it's me. So I just sent back, okay, as you were. And when we went back to talking on the dating app, we talked back and forth, okay, for a while, what have you, it was fine. But, and this is where it got, this is where I knew. Because you know I always had my instincts. You know I always thought that they were the same person. You know from the outset that is how I felt. So in talking to this, to the real person finally, you know, we chatted back and forth, whatever. In the conversation, in the brief conversation that we had, I guess it was over maybe two days, over the time frame of two days, within the first couple of hours, I knew there and then that the the real person that I was talking to was the stalker. They were the same person all along. And I knew this because of the language that they used. And I knew the different phrases. It was almost like this person wasn't even trying to hide it. It was almost like this person either once thought I was a fool or this person didn't care because I couldn't prove it. But looking at the language, the phrases, the certain things this person said about trust in particular and what have you, I knew 
that I had found the stalker. Uh, or maybe the stalker had found me but I knew in that moment that the stalker and the real person were the same person that this person was the stalker and this person was contacting me time and time and time again while putting up on their social media oh I'm being catfished I'm being catfished what have you this person was not being catfished and here comes the final kicker in the chapter of my stalker so we'd gotten to talking and look I knew this person was my stalker I knew that they were and did I put an end to it no I didn't because I wasn't talking to anyone else and I was like okay I was like let's see how it goes I was like stranger things have happened you know if some person marries their stalker then so be it you know so we got into talking okay and if you are a listener of the Ickals They had recently done an episode where they took a a test, basically an online test, which is called BDSMtest.org, okay, which, you know, which kind of, you answer a couple of questions, the test does go on for a bit, but it breaks down percentage-wise your different kinks and what percentage you are, like if you're a brat, if you're a daddy, if you're a, a rope bunny, all this kind of stuff. And and I loved that because, you know, if you're looking for someone in particular, you know, if, if you want a very aggressive person or if you want a very submissive person or what have you, you like someone who likes to be tied up. My new thing now after listening to that episode of The Ickals is sending people these tests. I send these people these tests in the very beginning of our conversation. I make them sit the test and if their results come back and I find that it will be sexually compatible with my own needs, then we will continue conversation. If not, I will nip it in the bud. And I, I made someone take this test who uh, who I had an inkling we would not be sexually compatible. They sent me back the results of the test and I knew that we weren't going to be sexually compatible, you know? And I, I said back, and I, that's what I said, I was like, look, your, your test wasn't, you did great, but it's not exactly what we're looking for. Um... So this BDSM test is a test that I have been kind of like using throughout my dating life, you know, since I've heard that episode of the Ickals, I'm sure you can go find it on their feed. Um, but how that ties into the final chapter of the story of me and my stalker is that I made him take the test. I made him take the test. The results came back and they were okay. They were okay. There was nothing in particular, nothing that like jumped out like, like, you know, that I was like, oh, okay, I'm into that. They came back. I think they came back like 70% dominant, you know, 70% dominant. And the rest was kind of all kind of on an even playing field. That's exactly what I was looking for. But however, now the stalker was pressuring me into sending my results, which I kind of, you know, I don't really like sending my results. I like keeping them close enough to my chest. You know, I like to keep people guessing what have you um but again I was like you can't really sit make people sit down and take a test before they get to continue talking to you without sharing your own results so I did send my test results of this bdsmtest.org um to my stalker I sent them along he read through them and my stalker keep in mind my stalker okay read the results of my test of what I was into, how kinky I was, whatever. My stalker read the results of my test and told me that I should go and seek a therapist immediately, that I need help. And he never replied to me again. Can... I'm I'm, I'm kind of lost for words here. I am kind of... 
lost for words. I'm still kind of shaking about this. The fact that my fucking stalker, the person who has been plaguing me for the last, what, 10 weeks? You know, this maniac, okay, this psychopath who has been messaging me for the last 10 fucking weeks on 11 different fake accounts saw the results of my sex test and told me to go and get help. I mean... That has to be surely like an a uh, God, just like something that like a wake up call for me. Like how fucked up are my sexual needs that my own fucking stalker saw the results of my test and was like, I'm a head out. I'm a head out. That is the explosive end to the story of my stalker. Finally came face to face with the stalker who's been plaguing me for the last two to three months for them to finally Put me on the blacklist, ignore, because they think I need help. I mean, you know, I've searched all my life for irony and I found it. So if you do have anyone that you do want to set me up with, please just contact me on Instagram. Send me a photo with like no more than a 250 word brief summary about who that person is and, you know, how freaky they are. Uh, But moving on to the body of the episode, what I want to talk to you about today as our mind popper is the Black Widow. Get into it. There are many things that lurk in the dark. Things that for the most part remain unseen. The darkness can be a hidden world for all that bask in shadows. Full of bustling cracks and crevices that act like hidden highways for those that would rather remain unseen. Since the beginning of time, our fear has made its home in the dark, never revealing itself fully, but giving us enough glimpses and glances to let us know that they're there. The fear of the unknown is something that has always plagued men and women. What's really in our skies? What's really in our oceans? What was that noise? I'm home alone. What is that crawling? on the wall. It's a spider. One of the most common fears that emerges from the dark is that of spiders. Why do these creatures terrify us so much? Some psychologists believe that we fear spiders because of some direct experience we had with them that scared us as a child. While this memory may be long faded from our minds, the trauma remains and wires our brains to fear these creatures. Many psychologists Mm-hmm, I said it. Many psychologists say that having a family member who also exhibited these irrational fears towards spiders when we were younger would be enough for us to also latch on to that feeling and develop the same fear. Some scientists even say that fearing spiders may even be an instinctual thing passed on from our oldest of ancestors, long gone, associating these creatures with poison and with death. And you know what, let me say this, okay, let me say this, Uh, let me interrupt this very dark, you know, looming um, monologue. Um, Blessed are those who can go and pick up a spider, you know, who can just walk into the living room and take a spider off the wall. And just, you know, put them back out into the wild. Those are some crazy, godless motherfuckers. You know, they just pick up these beasts like they're nothing. 
And you know what? The thing is, if you were like me, I am not someone who can, you know, go with the tissue or the jar or the cup or what have you or with my hands and like pick up a spider off the wall and like carry it out into the garden like it's nothing. I am just not one of those people. I never have been. I'm actually quite the opposite. I am an arachnophobe. You know I'm not afraid to admit it. I am an arachnophobe. I have arachnophobia for sure. And the thing is, you know, when you are with someone who, like I said, is godless and will go and pick up the spider and release it to the wild, you know, in that moment, it is the most terrifying because if you're, if you are like me and you have this, this just God, overwhelming fear towards arachnids, you feel so powerless. Like I always feel so powerless in these moments when someone's going and picking up the spider because you know what happens when you when you bog someone enough because the chances are if someone isn't afraid to pick up a spider, then the spider on the wall doesn't really bother them. The spider's presence doesn't really, you know, have any effect on them. So you, <coughs> sorry, I got too much air in my lungs. Oh, that's better. So the thing is, you are putting these people out, these godless people out of their way, you know, getting that spider and releasing it for you. So you lose all the power in that situation. And how many times have we gotten a motherfucker to pick up a spider for them to like do the whole wah, wah, kind of thing with you, you know, and they run up in your face and they're skidding and they think it's like a funny situation, but it's not. If you have that paralyzing fear of spiders like I do when someone does the whole I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you thing when they're holding the spider, it ain't funny. It actually will help you develop a deep, deep um, growing resentment for that person. It ain't funny. It ain't cute. But nevertheless, it always happens, doesn't it? It always happens. And the thing is as well, you know, like they they go out and they throw the spider out. It's always out into the garden, isn't it? And then they come back in and I'm like, okay, where's the spider? And they're like, oh, it's into the garden. And I'm like, the garden? No, not the fucking garden. The garden is far too fucking close to the household where we, where we just evicted this spider. Are you for real? The garden? No. And they're like, well, what did you want me to do with it? And I was like, uh, I wanted you to, to walk down the road, maybe a couple of estates down, maybe to a strand you know, and release the spider there, not put it in our fucking garden, you know, the window's still fucking open, it's probably back inside, what are you doing, moron, no, if I ask you to take the spider and release it, I mean, you know, cross county borders release it, you know, I don't want an open invitation for the motherfucker just to move back in, um, people really don't like that, do they, and when people come in as well, I'll be like, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. And I won't feel comfortable being around that person for a couple of hours because I still feel like, you just feel like these people are incompetent, don't you? Because if you're foolish enough to pick up the spider and release it, you must be missing a few brain cells or something ain't right. You know, like I said, you're a godless person. Um, so I just don't trust that they've ever released the spider properly. I feel like it's still inside their hands, even though they show me the open hands. I feel like it's on their back. It's somewhere, you know? I feel like... It's on the leg of their pants, you know? You just can't trust these people and that's the problem. Anyway, when we talk about spiders and our fears, a common name that springs to mind for everybody is the Black Widow. The Black Widow spider may be the most famous spider to exist. Several species answer to the name of the Black Widow, and they can be found in many regions around the world. How do we identify? I mean, the Black Widow is notoriously identified by the metallic black colouring 
on the bulk of its body with a red hourglass shaped mark on their abdomens, on their boots eyes. Um, and when we hear the name of the Black Widow Spider, we instantly think of Venom, don't we? We think of the bite, the deadly bite from the Black Widow Spider, you know? Well, in terms of the Venom, okay, the Venom is potent. The venom of the Black Widow is very powerful. The venom from the Black Widow is reported to be around 15 15 times stronger than that of a rattlesnake. In humans, the bites produce muscle aches, nausea, and a paralysis of the diaphragm, which, you know, can make breathing very difficult. However, contrary to popular belief, you know, it isn't deadly. Most people who are unlucky enough to receive a bite from Lactrodextus, which is a scientific name of the Black Widow. Hello, education, how are ya? Um, most people who are bitten do not suffer serious damage, let alone death. But that's not to say that an encounter with the Black Widow cannot be fatal. To small children, the elderly and the sick, an encounter with the Black Widow may be their last. Fortunately, deaths are pretty rare and the Black Widow is classified to be a non-aggressive creature and they bite only in self-defense, if that makes you feel any better. So, the Black Widow, by all accounts, seems to be a non-aggressive creature and it's not terrifyingly massive either. It comes in a humble 1.5-inch model um, and we've probably all encountered bigger spiders in our homes. So, where does the Black Widow get its name? Because it must be said that the Black Widow is a statement name, isn't it? The name carries a certain, how you say, je ne sais quoi, um, if you're nasty. But it does carry the name Black Widow. It carries a certain heaviness with it. The name has power. It is shrouded in darkness and sorrow. So you know that this bitch means business. She didn't come to play. You know in the same way, the name Daddy Longlegs carries a certain energy. Like, when I was younger, the name Daddy Longlegs did instill fear in me, for sure. You know, those long, crooked, gangly legs gave me the heebie-jeebies, you know, gave me the chills. But as the years went on and I started using Twitter, anything with the word daddy in it would never scare me again. If anything, it may even turn me on. Like, ooh, here come daddy with the long legs. You know, is that a ninth leg or are you just happy to see me? Um, so I guess my fear of daddy long legs, you know, ever since I encountered the word daddy and how, how we use it nowadays, it, you know, it just doesn't do the same thing. So the name, where does it come from? She is the black motherfucking window. Widow. She's the black motherfucking widow. She mates and she kills, Right. You rock her shit and she gets you. And I think that is also something to be admired. You know? Like, it is about time the young girls in our society had someone to look up to. You know, that wasn't a Kardashian. Um, anyway, so I was watching this short documentary on the Black Widow Spider. In particular, it was a Western Widow uh, Spider, so it was in California in the States. It was saying that most spiders will weave a new web every single night. So most like common house spiders, and that's why you probably have so many webs in your house and you're not seeing all these spiders, is because these spiders, you know, the majority of spiders will weave an entirely new web 
every fucking night. However, the Black Widow spider would remain on their one web their entire life. Okay? So, basically the Black Widow, she builds a multi-story web that's anchored into the ground, which obviously acts as like this one big sticky trap to catch prey. And like most spiders, she'll bite whatever's caught. She has um, haired kind of hind legs, which she'll use to wrap her silk around the prey. She'll bite them, inject their venom, so that will paralyze them. And eventually that venom, because you have to remember, like I said, the venom of the Black Widow is 15 times more potent than that of the rattlesnake. Okay, so basically what it does is turns the insides to mush, it liquefies them, and then the Black Widow will suck all that good shit out of the body. Oh my god, excuse me. Oh. Oh, there is just something going on with my lungs today, and I don't know what it is. Like, a couple of months ago, I was off the cigarettes. I was Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Off the rollies, you know, and I was just bopping away on the vape and I was doing okay now. Okay, fast forward to July. I am smoking cigarettes. I have a box of rollies and as you can hear, I'm on the vape. I'm a triple fucking threat right now. Um, but you know what? It's a health, it's a more of a health choice, you guys, you know? I'm doing the triple threat with the smoking just so basically I burn out whenever coronavirus enters the lungs, you know? I'm pretty sure that is how it works. So, in this tale of romance and death, when it comes to the Black Widow spider, Where does the male spider come into all of this? Now, keep in mind that the female Black Widow is 30 times heavier than the male. So, in terms of humans, if you had a 200 pound male, the female, the woman would be 6,000 pounds. Okay, get into it. So, big, massive difference. Okay, this is like, okay, to give it some, this is like, say, okay, So if the male Black Widow was one of the cast members of, you know, Little People Atlanta, okay, it's the equivalent of them having sex with the Hulk, okay? So it's big, big power difference here, you guys. So where does the male Widow Spider come into play in all this? Well, the male Widow Spider doesn't actually make his own web. 
Instead, he'll find a web that a female has put her whole life into making. And he just moves in there like a squatter. Like I said, the black widow spider, the females will make a web and they'll stay on that one single web for the entirety of their lives. The male black widow, however, does not weave um, his own web. Instead, he finds, you know, a black widow, a female black widow's web and he he just camps out there, you know. She's not given she's a choice, he's a squatter. And every inch of the web has the Black Widow's pheromones all over, you know, which spreads the scent of her far and wide, you know, so to potentially, you know, attract a nice selection of other mates for her to choose from. But this is a problem for the male, the male Black Widow. It doesn't line up with his agenda. So what the male widow does is goes around and starts trashing the place. He starts ripping apart pieces of her web and destroying her home and covers the and disregards the, the web that he's broken up, covers it with his own silk to mask her scent. This is a process called web reduction. And the reason the male um, Black Widow carries out web reduction is so that other, it reduces the chances of other male Black Widows picking up on the scent of the female Black Widow and coming to mate, you know? So when they mate, the the male widow, okay, and you have to remember, is tiny in comparison to the female. The male widow wraps a silk around the limbs of the female. So when they probably, you know, to like surround her with his scent, his pheromones or what have you. This is known as a bridal veil. When the male black widow spider starts to lay, kind of lay his lace, his silk in a pattern around the legs of the female black widow, this is what we call the, the bridal veil. You know, which is kind of cool, whatever. So they start fucking, okay? It's almost like light bondage play. When they meet, the male leaves behind a curly shaped organ called an embobulus, an embolus in her body. It And you know what this does, okay? How fucked up this is. Like not even women in the arachnid world can catch a fucking break. So he leaves the embobulus in her body. It blocks other males from fathering her offspring later. It's like he leaves something in her coochie so that no other man can fuck her. Okay? So, the male widow is a bum. Okay? The male widow is a scrub. Okay? He doesn't have his own place, so he moves into yours. He starts trashing the place out of jealousy. And then when it comes to having sex... He ties you up and leaves a fucking organ inside of you. So, after the sex, the male widow will approach the black widow's mouth and she will take a bite out of him. Then, they will mate a few more times until the male is unable to perform any longer and she takes her time devouring his insides later on. Now, in full transparency, we're talking about a specific breed of the black widow spider, which is very common in the United States. But there are 31 different types of black widow spiders, you know, 31 types, variations of the one species, the black widow. So surprisingly, only about two out of these 31 will engage in like full scale cannibalism after sex, you know, and we got to respect those two, you know, because this... You know, this Black Widow mama has, you know, created a home for herself, provides for herself, 
for some scrub, for some bum to move in, start trashing the place, acting up out of jealousy. And she fucks him. Not once, not twice, but three times maybe, you know, lays a few eggs and then eats him. Eats him dead, carries him away and slowly devours his insides. She liquefies his insides and eats him. And you know what? I respect that. I respect the fuck out of that. But so the question remains, is the Black Widow a cold-hearted femme fatale or a lover scorned one too many times? So in honour of the Black Widow spider and all the good work that she's doing, you're doing amazing, Queenie. In honour of the Black Widow spider, it inspired me in, you know, watching this documentary and learning more about this terrifying but beautiful deadly creature I wanted to look at, because you know what, we hear so much in the news, don't we? We have our Donald Trumps, we have our Gaddafis, we have our Saddam Husseins, or Osama Bin Ladens, our Hitlers, you know? What do they all have in common? They are men. So in looking and researching on the Black Widow Spider, it made me curious as to what evil women we have in the world and throughout history. The most evil women, you know? I want like female Hitler. I wanted to see if being evil to the core was, you know, majorly a a male trait. So it inspired me to go and look at this list that I found online on Goliath.com, which I haven't read myself yet. But what I want to do now is read through it and take a look at the seven most evil women in history. Okay, get into it. That's history with her. Um, at number seven, we have Mary First of England. Mary First of England, also known as Bloody Mary. Okay, so Mary First of England is the, I guess, the origin story of, you know, this whole childhood myth of, you know, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Boom. You know? So basically her whole gig was that she killed a fuckload of Protestants when attempting to restore Catholicism to England during her reign. The heresy law that she instated, um, you know, eventually became out to be responsible for the burning alive of over 300 Protestants who were accused of being heretics. Um, She was never persecuted for any of her crimes. However... After her death, um, her re-establishment of Catholicism was, you know, reversed. You know, England again became a very, you know, much Protestant country. What have you? Okay. Um, but it was interesting for me that our seventh, you know, most evil lady, Mary First of England, was the person behind Bloody Mary. I did not know that. Uh, maybe worth looking into further for a mind popper. At number six, six, this name is a name that should be familiar to you if you have any interest in um, serial killers, you know, which I personally do. I'm a big fan. Um, But at number six, we have in the sixth most evil woman in her story is Eileen Wernos. So Eileen Wernos was a highway prostitute who is considered to be America's 
first female serial killer. Now, while she is probably considered to be America's first known serial killer, you just trust and believe America has a long, dark history of evil women for sure. So while Eileen Warners may be the most notable female serial killer in US history, she's certainly not the first. She's the first one that was caught. Anyway... She was br- she brutally shot and robbed seven men in Florida during the late 80s and early 90s. She claimed, however, that when she was arrested, that these homicides were committed in self-defense. And, you know, you obviously, you could be inclined to believe that. A, a prostitute out, a working girl, you know, working the highways, you know, trying to make ends meet. Of course, you're going to meet a hell of a lot of, you know, terrible men along that journey. Um, but, however, she shot and robbed seven men like I said she claimed went on to claim that the homicides were committed in self-defense however she was in fact found guilty of killing all six men and she was placed on death row in 2002 she was executed via the lethal injection and that's actually kind of shocking to me when I heard the name Eileen Warnos I I was like 70s you know whatever I feel like this woman wasn't around for a while but yes Eileen Warnos America's first in quotations serial killer was only put to death by lethal injection in 2002 and I think they went on to make a movie about that or something was it called monster or something however coming in at number five on the list of the most evil women in history is Myra Hindley Myra Hindley is considered the most evil woman in British history okay well I don't know about that. I don't know if she's the most evil woman in British history. Okay, I feel like she has, you know, some some great competition in that department. Um, however, along with her part- partner, so Myra Hindley, along with her partner, Ian Brady, she carried out the Moors murders, which, you know, in the 1960s, which you're probably familiar with if you've watched any true, true crime show Ever. You know, if not, I think the Moors murders may be something we could look into on this podcast. So they carried out the Moors murders in the 1960s. So together they kidnapped, sexually tortured, and murdered five children and teenagers. When they were caught, Hindley showed absolutely no remorse for her crimes and pleaded not guilty. For 20 years, she maintained her innocence. However, in 1987, she finally admitted that she had been involved in all five murders. In 2002, she died in prison. Again, you know what? I think it's because we've heard of these of all these crimes so much, like Eileen Wernos and the Moors murders, what have you. It feels like such a long time ago, but no, the bitch only died in 2002. Um, coming in at number four in The Most Evil Women in her story mm. is Carla Artistry. <laughs> no. Coming in at number four in The Most Evil Women in Her Story is Carla Homolka. Carla Homolka is Canada's most notorious female serial killer. I thought everyone was nice in Canada. I can't remember, or I can't think of like a Canadian being a serial killer, but alas. You know, proven wrong. She helped her husband, Paul Bernardo, rape and murder at least three women. One of them being her younger sister. So you know, obviously, first of all, if you're taking any part in murder, you mean you're not a good person. But the fact that you are involved in the murder and rape of your own younger sister. Ooh, 
I don't know a worse person. That is rotten to the core. She received, in the end, a pretty light sentence for her crimes thanks to a plea deal that she struck with the prosecution in exchange for her testimony against Bernardo. Bernardo. She received a reduced prison sentence of just 12 years. Of just 12 years. That can't be right. 12 years when she helped her husband, Paul Bernardo, rape and murder at least three women, one of them being her younger sister. And she only got 12 years? Mm-mm, something don't smell right there. The prosecution didn't feel badly about the deal at first. Hamulka claimed that Bernardo, Bernardo, I'm sorry, there's an extra R in here, had been abusing her and that she had been forced to participate in the murders. However, video evidence later surfaced proving that she wasn't a victim but an active participant in all the murders. So she tried to cut a deal with the prosecution under the guise that her partner Bernardo had been abusing her and forcing her to do this while all along she was equal partner 50-50 and in a last attempt to get out of the situation she created a bigger lie she turned on her partner you know I mean of course look if you're going to do it you might as well do it intelligently so if you're going to be a serial killer and you turn you know have a good story what have you um but obviously the videotapes, you know, proved, proved that she wasn't a victim at all, but a, a very willing participant. But there was nothing that could be done um, and with her deal and the prosecutors. Um, and this has become known as the deal with the devil. This case where they made, you know, they made, you know, they, they bought into it. They bought into this, you know, I guess, battered housewife, you know, but it was actually narrative that she'd created and the prosecutors couldn't go back on their deal um because it was a plea deal and they made the deal with the devil okay that was number four coming in at number three of the most evil women in her story is rosemary west okay she sounds lovely haven't even looked at what it's going to say about her but she sounds lovely rosemary rosemary how are you you know it sounds like a little old biddy down the road how are you rosemary how are you rosemary so i can't imagine whatever she did is going to be that bad okay but let's find out because at number three is rosemary west rosemary west is the notorious in britain for her crimes she along with her husband fred sexually assaulted murdered and dismembered oh a number of young women and buried them in their cellar. Okay, well, as it turns out, I take it back. I stand corrected. Rosemary West sounds like a real piece of work. You know, she d- not this friendly old biddy. You know, the vibe that she was giving off originally. No, she has done some nasty things. Um, and by nasty, I mean sexually assault, murder and dismembering a number of young women and burying them in her cellar. One of these women was their daughter. What? One of these women was their daughter. Heather. Since being charged, she has maintained her innocence. However, the jury saw through it. In 1995, she was convicted of the torturing and murdering of 10 women and was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. Oh, so Rosemary West was pretty fucking evil as it turns out. Okay, coming in at number two on the most evil women in her story is... Amelia Dyer. Amelia Dyer is one of the most prolific serial killers in history. She reportedly murdered about 400 
I repeat, she reportedly murdered about 400 or more babies over a 20-year period during the Victorian era. She would prey on young, unmarried women with infants who would pay her to take care of their children. This practice was known as baby farming. Unlike, however, most baby farmers, Dyer would take money from these women, but instead of taking care of their children, she would kill them and dump them in the Thames River. Even though she was responsible for a number of deaths, she was only tried for one murder and was sentenced to death. I mean, surely... Surely the murder of 400 babies and the disposal of their bodies, you know. I mean, surely just taking care of the kids would have been easier. Surely, you know. I mean, what do you think was when you drop your child off to this person and it doesn't come back? You know, what, like, what was her game? Like, how can she, you know, how, how can she explain that she, she lost 400 children something didn't add up in the end obviously she only got charged for one for one murder you know and if that's all it took you know i guess they couldn't find evidence for the other 399 missing children but it all all it took was one murder to stick and the bitch got death okay that was amelia dyer coming in at our final and the number one most evil woman in her story is Elizabeth Bathory. The Guinness World Record considers Countess Elizabeth Bathory to be the most prolific female serial killer ever. The most prolific serial killer. And what's that on? Period. She was accused of torturing, mutilating and killing around 650 women between 1585 and 1610. Even though there was substantial evidence against the Hungarian countess, she never faced trial because of her family's influence. Legend has it that Bathory had vampire-like tendencies. She reportedly bathed in the blood of victims in an effort to retain her youth. (gasps) You know what? You know what? In saying that, okay, in saying that, um... It's just springing to mind after hearing that. I don't know if... Like, I'm a big fan of American Horror Story. Love everything Ryan Murphy does except for Glee. Um, if you have seen season... I think I want to say season six of American Horror Story. So that would be American Horror Story Hotel. Um, we actually see the character. It's the kind of Lady Gaga's main role. She did appear in season five in Roanoke. But I guess it was the first time Lady Gaga took like a leading role in the American Horror, Horror Story franchise. Where she plays the Countess. Okay who does the whole drinking the blood, slashing the throat and bathing in the blood to preserve her youthness. So I wonder, was Lady Gaga's character the Countess based on Elizabeth Bathory? You know, I guess, who knows? Okay, so after hearing the story of Elizabeth Bathory, okay, after we just did it right there, I kind of wanted to look a bit more into her because... That is a story that I'm interested in, okay? This, like, blood countess, you know? I'm into that. So she did become known as the blood countess, okay? She came from the Bathory family, which is a very wealthy, influential, powerful family from the Kingdom of Hungary, okay? Um, She was married at age 11, 
Okay, she was married to Frank Nadasti. Uh, Frank Nasty. Um, I guess it's Hungary. I guess it's a Hungarian name, Nasty. Um, and he actually took her surname. Okay, work. He took her surname so she could obviously keep the family name, whatever. As a wedding gift, right, on her 11th birthday, she was given the, um, the Suggesti, the Suggesti castle. She was given a castle for her wedding gift on her 11th birthday, you know, okay. We love that. It was a wedding gift, but it was actually from his family. So it was two powerful families. And of course, everything seemed like a fairy tale or what have you. Now, her husband, um, Bathory's husband, um, was actually away from the castle a lot. Um, I guess he was in the army. He was a chief. I think he was the chief and commander of the Hungarian troops. So he was like fighting against war against the Ottomans, what have you. So she was often alone. So... Elizabeth Bathory, as a young child, spent a lot of time with her aunt, who practiced witchcraft, and her uncle, who was a devil-worshipping alchemist, okay? What could possibly go wrong? Okay, you have this 11-year-old girl, not only this 11-year-old wealthy, you know, like, wealthy, young wealthy girl. I mean, we've seen all the Emma Roberts movies, okay? They always turn out to be massive bitches, But not only this, she's spending time with her aunt, who's a witch, and her uncle, who is a devil-worshipping alchemist, okay? So where does her blood obsession come into all this? The story goes that Bathory, okay, and again, there is evidence, so this isn't one of our folklores. This is the story. You're hearing it here, not first, because the story has been around for centuries, but, you know, it could be the first time you're hearing it. Elizabeth Bathory's blood obsession, you know, it it grew because of her husband's absence. She's at home in the castle board. So she began inflicting cruel punishments on her staff. And in this period of time, it was not only normal, but encouraged to discipline your household help, you know. So according to the story, um, she like enjoyed torturing the help that she had she you know it was like a hobby of her like some people do sudoku her hobby Bathory's hobby was building different contraptions that would torture the staff you know so iron tongs barbed lashes what have you until Elizabeth Bathory invented maybe her most famous creation it was a cage called the iron virgin was designed after the Iron Maiden. Her cage was molded like a woman, like a metallic woman that would open in two, but on either side would have sharp jutting blades. So obviously, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I've seen pictures of this. It looks exactly, and I guarantee you, this is what it's based on in the movie Matilda, you know, the chokey, where Trunchbull throws them into the chokey. This is what it looks like, okay? Um, so it all started for Bathory when she's conducting one of these cruel acts. She had a young servant girl, okay? And she put her inside the um, the Iron Virgin, which was this, this metallic cage, like I said. So she closed it on the girl and when she'd opened it up again, spots of blood landed on her. And Bathory noticed that her skin had tightened. So she officially became obsessed with blood. And I guess the, the properties that she saw blood had on this, I guess, youthfulness you know this this the, the cosmeticness you know when, when the blood would fall on her she felt her skin tighten so it was she made a link between blood and youth and possibly eternal youth so her obsession with eternal youth began to outnumber 
the number of young girls in the village. She had killed so many young women in this village with this test um, or with this um, contraption, the Iron Virgin, and bathed in their bloods that she had ran out of young women in, you know, in the village surrounding her kingdom. So she started to lure in young girls from other high society families and that is when, when, when she started taking women from other high society families, that's when the Hungarian king knew that he had to put her on trial. So, once um, everybody arrived at the Sajesti castle, the bodies of the young women were found. Some of them were half burnt, some of them were alive, and some of them were noticeably missing chunks of flesh from their faces. Bathory and her allies were put on trial for only 80 counts of murder, um, with all of the evidence stacked against her, particularly, okay, her diary, where she wrote down the names of her victims, which brought the total death count to 650 girls. She still wasn't executed. Instead, because of her royal blood, was allowed to remain in her castle. Okay? But, there was a catch. Held in confinement... Bathory was bricked into a room in her castle that had no windows or doors. There was a small opening so food and water could be given to her. She remained there in captivity until her death, which came only three years later. Mm-hmm. Does she warrant the most evil woman in history, in her story? Absolutely. Elizabeth Bathory, you know, some people go on and say that she inspired the first accounts of Dracula or of the, I guess, the, the modern vampire. Uh, whenever, you know what, when I'm saying things, I'll still do the quotations yeah, as I'm speaking. And then I realise that you guys can't see me doing quotations. So I have to say in quotations. But so, she, you know, people said that she went on and inspired the story of Dracula and I guess the in quotations modern interpretation of the vampire okay get into that get into that that is it from me on this episode of the mind of poppers podcast glad to be back hope that you're fucking hearing this episode um, make sure you subscribe and if you have the time and you're enjoying the podcast leave a review okay because that helps other people find the podcast and in turn helps other minds to expand and reach that via vibration, higher vibration like the rest of us, okay? So we have done it all. I have told you my encounter and the final sinister chapter of my meeting with my stalker and how we're, we're taking a break. <laughs> we're taking a break right now. We talked about the Black Widow Spider and in turn the seven most deadly Black Widows in herstory until next time i'm adam o'reilly for the mind poppers podcast stay woke hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.